This is Made to Conquer, a podcast designed to inspire you to have a deep relationship with Jesus. Jesus told us to make every effort to enter through the narrow door so that when we stand before him, we hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hello, everyone. This is Tiana Showy, and welcome to the podcast Made to Conquer. Thank you guys again so much for being here and just being a part of the body of Christ, for being faithful to the Lord. I'm assuming you're here because you love the Lord and you want to learn what it means to follow Him more intimately, be encouraged in your walk. Or maybe you're here because some crazy Christian you know sent you this podcast and wants you to learn more about Jesus. And and yeah, you've heard about him and you've gone to church maybe a couple of times, but you don't believe in all this stuff. You're still welcome here. And we talk about things that are uncomfortable. I don't water down the gospel. And in fact, we're going to talk about some pretty tough topics in today's podcast. And I don't apologize for them because the Bible deals with really tough things. And we as Christians have to deal with really tough things and the world is getting more and more tough. And so we have those conversations, but welcome and thank you guys for joining. I also just want to let you guys know that my friends at Butterfly Box, so I just, I want to kind of, before I go into that, I just want to let you guys know that I have many opportunities to quote, (laughs) quote unquote, monetize this podcast. And that would mean that I would run ads or have ads jump in at different points. And and um, be, because the number of downloads this podcast gets, I certainly could make a good deal of money on this. But I have not felt like the Lord wants me to do that. I felt like He wants this to continue to be something I volunteer to do. And with the exception of a couple of people who support this podcast monthly, I, I don't want this beholden to anything other than the Holy Spirit. In other words, I'm willing to suck up the cost, volunteer my time. And then obviously I don't want to uh, diminish the the monthly contributions that that you know several people make to this podcast. But the reason I don't monetize this podcast is because I don't want anything other than the flow of the Holy Spirit to work through this. And that's just where I am today and, and how I feel today about how the podcast is. And, and if the Lord chooses to change that, so be it. But that's not what this is. This is me, a girl in South Carolina, who is just being obedient to the calling that the Lord has on her life. And I'm just here to share with you what I have learned and what I am learning about what it means to follow Jesus in hopes that it encourages you and causes you to dive deeper. And as I say in the opener of this podcast, The road to follow Jesus is the narrow road. It's not the easy road. It's the narrow road, and few find it. And at the end of that road, we're going to meet our Savior, and he's going to say one of two things to us, away from me, for I never knew you, or well done, my good and faithful servant. And my hope is to inspire all of us who listen to this to hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. We are one body. We are one team. And I love being able to to pour into you because I know that the way that God designed his bride, the way that the church works is when we build each other up, when we lift each other up, we're honoring and being and being faithful and obedient to the Lord. And and there's just it not only does it not only does it allow God's will to be done here on earth, which is what Jesus teaches us to pray, right? Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on, on earth as it is in heaven. But it also it also allows us to participate in what God is doing. And that is a privilege. Both of those are amazing things. More God is better. <laughs> so that's the simple way. So when I talk about Butterfly Box, I don't talk about it from a sponsorship perspective. This is actually me just promoting a, a girlfriend and a business that I truly love and believe in. 
And I want to bring this up to you because as I've gone, as I've spent the past several months, oh gosh, it's been close to a year now getting butterfly boxes. I took for granted until I sat down and tallied up all the different ways that it has been an encouragement and a blessing to me through having artwork around my house and, you know, continually preaching the gospel in my home in every way possible. And then having devotion books and journals and all different sorts of things. So it is a ministry dedicated to blessing women in their walk with the Lord. Because, you know, it's it's funny, I was thinking a lot about the roles between men and women in the church, and there's a lot of opinions. And I've listened to hours of YouTube videos of pastors opining and sharing their research. And at the end of the day, here's what it boils down to. We're all supposed to serve and love each other. And and if everybody is showing up, being obedient to the Holy Spirit, serving and loving each other the way that we're supposed to, we're going to build each other up. But there's something unique about being a woman that we just need a certain sort of fellowship and a certain sort of community that only women can provide each other. Nothing personal to you men, but us ladies, there's something that happens when a group of ladies get together and we can be complete strangers one minute and best friends the next. And that is just because God has put a little bit more fellowship and community in who we are. And so this is this is why I love this ministry is it's focused specifically on women. And um, I'm gonna, we're going to talk later in the podcast about, I watched the documentary by Matt Walsh, What is a Woman? And I want to share some of my thoughts with you on that. But I do just want to remind you that that they actually did give me a new coupon code. So, so anybody who listens to this podcast, if you use the code TIANA20, you get 20% off a monthly subscription. So not the individual boxes, but the monthly subscriptions. You can get a three-month subscription or a six-month subscription, and you get 20% off of that if you use the code TIANA20. And the link to that, you can find, I'll put it in the show notes, but it's also on my website, or you can just go to yourbutterflybox.com and look through what they've got there. It's also a great tool to give give stuff away. Like I said, I, I get up my boxes and a lot of times I end up gifting some of the stuff in there. And it's it's fun. It's fun to have, uh, my grandmother taught me this. She always had a box in her closet of, of goodies because she's a gift giver. That's her love language is gifts. And she always had something to give. When we when I when I came to her house, every time I go to her house, she will have a gift for me there. My best friend's the same way. She is a gift giver. So it's been fun for me to have stuff to send my best friend as well. As something comes in, I'm like, oh, this is so her. I've got to send this to her. So just wanted to mention that to you. Now, with that said, let's open this podcast in prayer. I'm pretty excited about this because I don't talk about it a lot. You may have heard me mention it a couple of times, but a big part of my life is the fact that I'm an athlete. And that was actually when I was in full-on rebellion towards the Lord. One of the things the Lord knew is he, he knew I was coming back. And so he didn't want me to go too far and get into too much trouble. And so one of the hobbies I took up during that time was ultra running. And it's really hard to get into too much trouble when you're spending 24 hours on a weekend, on, starting on Saturday morning until Sunday morning, running through the night. <laughs> That's exactly what I did many, many times. <laughs> and so it, I have learned a lot about what it means to be a Christian being an endurance athlete, because, you know, it's funny when I, mean, I signed up for a race and I started, obviously when I started running, I started with five K's and then I built it to 10 K's and then I ran half marathons and believe it or not, I skipped over the marathon distance altogether. I went straight from a half marathon to a 50 K, which is about 31 miles. And so just, just so you guys know, the distance of 5K is about three miles, a 10K is six miles, a half marathon is 13 miles, a full marathon is 26.2 miles. And then anything over a marathon is considered an ultra marathon. And they typically start at 50 kilometers, which is about 31 miles. And then there's a hundred kilometer races. There's 
um, all different distances. Once you get into ultra marathon world, I've, I've run the hundred mile distance five times. So that means I've run a, a race that it was a hundred miles and you run it at one time. I've done that five times and I've done multiple 50 milers. I've done 24 hour races where you get as many miles in 24 hours as you can. And I've covered the 80 mile distance multiple times under that. So I've run a lot of miles in my life. And when you sign up for a race, you know, a couple of different things. First of all, you know, that at some point you're going to want to quit. <laughs> That's just, that is just par for the course. You're going to reach a point where your body starts hurting enough that you think, I'm crazy. What was I thinking when I signed up for this race? I'm going to want to quit. <laughs> so there's there. You know that it's going to hurt and you know that it's going, you're going to want to quit. But you also know this much that there's a finish line. And in in spite of how hard it can be, and I, there have been a few races I've not finished. It's called DNF, did not finish. And I have DNF'd a few races. And some of them were for really good reasons. Like I remember one race I DNF'd long story made short, it was during a government shutdown. So the park where we were going to run was closed down. And instead a family opened up their farm to us to run in, which meant running through the grass. Well, the grass was really, really, really wet. So by mile 12, my feet were covered in blisters because it was just so wet and that, that extra moisture created friction and it was a 50 K. So I, I was at mile 12 and I had about six different blisters on my feet. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to run the rest of this race, <laughs> the other 18 miles and end up with complete completely battered feet and not be able to walk just for a 50 K. And so I I've, I've had to quit races for reasons like that. I've not, I've not quit very many races, but I've had to quit a few and it's not a good feeling. Even when it's for the right reasons, it's not a good feeling. I, I actually DNF'd my first hundred miler. I made it to mile 65 and without going into all the details, I, I was done. My body was just done. And could I, ha- could I have walked the other 35 miles probably, but not in a time that was reasonable and not without severe consequences. So it was really hard when you made it 65 miles to not finish the rest of the hundred miles, because by that point, it's all, it's all gravy. I mean, everything's going to hurt from that point on pretty much. I would say, you know, the, the more experienced you are in ultra running, the pain won't start kicking until the seventies or eighties, but still, if you're at mile 80, you still have 20 miles of pain left to go. So it was, you know, it was a hard decision to quit, but every single time I've, I've quitted it, I've quit a race. I've had regret and maybe it was regret for how I handled the situation leading up to that. Could I have done something better to prepare, prepare for that? Uh, even though I knew it was the right case in some situations, there's always an amount of regret. So when you go into these races, you know, two things, it's going to hurt and you're going to want to quit, but there's a finish line. And the same is true for Christianity. And unfortunately, one of the things that has happened is in an attempt to fill pews, we've watered down the gospel in this country. We've watered down the gospel to get your free ticket to heaven and just just say the sinner's prayer and move on with your life. But if you're paying attention to what's happening in the world today, it is it is you cannot live in that gray Switzerland zone. I talk about this a lot on this podcast, how there is black and white. There are a lot of people who want to live in the gray. They want to say, you know what, listen, I'm I'm not, I am, I am not out murdering people. I am not out doing terrible things. Okay. But I'm not going to be a religious zealot. Like you crazy Christians are where you, you know, you're paying attention to what you're watching and you're not going out and spending money in certain stores that are promoting bad things. And you're praying every day and you're reading your Bible. Like, I'm not going to be that extreme, but I'm not going to kill people. I'm just going to sit here in the middle and be a good person. And I said the sinner's prayer and I'm okay. The problem is that's not the gospel. 
And so in this episode, I wanted to talk about those lessons that I've learned when you're at the point of feeling like you're going to break, when you're done, when you're done, 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 but you're not at the finish line yet, how you just regroup and keep going because we're told to run the race with endurance. We're, we're told that this, that, this, that this decision to follow Jesus is going to cost us everything and it's going to cost us everything. But we're also told that God's grace is going to get us through. And we're also told that when we persevere, when we stick to this, when we decide that we're truly going to follow the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and we know it's going to cost us everything, that what awaits for us is worth everything that's cost, gonna, that, it, that it cost us. And so we're going to go into that in, in, as, we, as we break down today's episode. But I was thinking about this as I was coming in from a bike ride the other day. And I was like five miles from home and I was tired. And I was like, the only way to be done with this misery is just to finish the bike ride. <laughs> and, and I just, I was sitting there and I put my head down and I'm just cranking through. And the Lord's like, this is, this is, you know, I, I let you go on this athletic journey Tiana, to teach you what it means to put your head down and just keep pushing when you don't want to. And there are going to be times in our walk with the Lord where we're going to have, we're going to step back and say, this isn't easy. I don't know that this is what I signed up for. We're going to question our decision to follow Jesus, but I'm, I'm going to remind you that there's a finish line. And I'm going to remind you that it is going to cost us everything. And I'm not going to sell you a cheap gospel on this, doc, on this podcast. I'm going to sell you the gospel that's in the Bible. And the gospel that's in the Bible requires courage. It requires faith. It requires laying down your life. It requires dying to yourself. But, 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 but <laughs> on the other side is incomprehensible, uncomprehensible unspeakable glory. Unspeakable. I don't know what I'm, language I'm trying to speak right now. <laughs> and so I just want to encourage you guys. We're going to talk about running the race with endurance. And we're going to talk about what we do when we want to quit and what we do when we feel overwhelmed by the evil that's growing. Because I had that, I had that moment this past week and I want to share that with you guys. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that in spite of the fact that we rebelled against you from the very beginning, you always had a plan to redeem us to yourself. And it was always, always going to be you who was going to carry us there. Father, it can, it can be so easy to be discouraged on this walk. All we have to do is just give the enemy a moment in our ear and we can begin to question everything. Why are we doing this? It would be so much easier if we would just resist a little less. <laughs> just give in to that temptation. Say those mean things to that person that just cut us off in traffic. But Jesus, you're calling us to a higher way. Not just, not just because you wanted to make things difficult, but because, Father, you see the beginning from the end. You are the one who put this whole planet into motion, and you understand the principles by which you formed this planet. And you were saying to us, listen, kids, I love you, and I know how this whole thing works. And if you trust me and you do it my way, then I promise you I'm not going to lead you astray. But, Father, we can be so blinded and so easily led astray. We are, we are sheep. <laughs> we can be standing on green grass and not even realize it. And so, Father, I just ask right now that as we open your word and as we start this time together in this podcast, Holy Spirit, that you would fill me and lead, lead this conversation. Father, this would be your message. This is your podcast. This is your church. We are yours. <laughs> All that we have is yours. And I just pray for anybody listening that, that needs to hear what you have to say. Lord, I just pray that, that you would speak to them, Father, that, that this would be your words. And Lord, that you would just encourage us, encourage us to, to just be on fire for you and accept nothing less than just total reckless abandoned abandoning of this world to completely follow you. Jesus, we want to know what it means to be your disciple. 
in every way. We don't want to accept anything less than what you've bought for us at Calvary. And so, Father, lead us in this time, and we pray this in your precious name. Amen. So we're going to start off with 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I've been doing something kind of fun in my devotions. I've been reading through the Corinthians parallel. So I've been reading 1 Corinthians 1, 2 Corinthians 1, and just kind of comparing and contrasting the two letters and trying to understand them. One of the things I try to do when I read through one of the epistles is I try to understand the theme of the book, and I try to put myself in the church that received the letter and try to understand it holistically. And that helps me remember, you know, okay, Ephesians chapter chapter six is the armor of God and the warfare because the book of Ephesians deals so much with the spiritual world and and the warfare world. And Ephesians chapter one is just like, I mean, Paul just drops a bunch of dynamite about spirituality and and the power of God in, in Ephesians chapter one. And then Galatians is primarily about how we're free from the law. And so when you when you start to look at the epistles and think of them through through the lens of a letter to a church. And understand it holistically. It'll help you remember, oh yeah, Galatians chapter three says this. Ephesians chapter two says this. Philippians chapter four says this. And that's how you can begin to talk and learn to quote scripture and passages is by reading them holistically. So I've been doing that with the Corinthians. And every time I come across this passage in first Corinthians chapter nine, it always lights, it lights a fire to me, especially as a runner, somebody who's uh, has <laughs> lost a lot of blood, sweat, and tears running. So in first Corinthians chapter nine, Verse 24, Paul says this, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. So they do it to obtain a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way, not sorry. Therefore, I run in such a way as not to run aimlessly. I box in such a way as to avoid hitting air, but I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So there's something that Paul says here that's really profound. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Now, what's interesting about being an athlete is you never stop seeing the world through the lens of an athlete. So when you sit down and you eat, you're like, oh, how is this going to work? You know, affect my workout tomorrow or am I fueling properly for my, my workout I have coming up? And if I do that, that's going to impact my run. Like it's, it's amazing how once you, once you see yourself as an athlete, everything you do filters through that. I need to make sure I get to bed on time so I can wake up early enough to do my run. I need to make sure I finish my work on time so I can get out on the bike before it gets, before the rainstorm comes in. I mean, it's amazing how this filter works. And what Paul is saying is that, that people who think like that are doing so for imperishable things, which in this case, the imperishable wreath, which is the victor's crown that they would get uh, in, in the games in, in the you know type of athletic games that, that Paul's referencing of his time. So he wants us to use that same analogy to think of ourselves as Christians. So if we, if we had the same intensity about our walk with God that an athlete has about their life, and I can, I can say this because I understand this from both sides, then everything you do revolves around your relationship with the Lord. Well, I need to make sure I get in bed on time so I can be up early enough and pray and I don't fall asleep during my prayer time. And I need to make sure I get this done so I can carve out my time to spend time with the Lord. And I need to make sure I spend time in prayer before I go forward and do that thing that God's called me to do today, because I want to make sure he leads that. When you begin to see your life through the lens of eternity in every aspect, then you discipline your body in everything. I now pray about everything in my day. I pray about my secular meetings and my and my coaching meetings and my Christian meetings and my podcast. Because why? Because the work I do in the secular world and, and the time I spend here on this podcast are all God's. 
just because I don't teach the Bible or talk about the Bible or encourage people in the Bible in my day job doesn't mean that God doesn't have me where he has me doing a job he has me do. And so I, as an athlete, I can understand this complete obsession with fashioning your life around your athletic endeavors. The same should be true about our life as Christians. We should run the race with endurance. We should run in such a way as to win the race. And as somebody who has competed now, I'm very rarely when I ran ultra marathons did I run to try to win because I enjoyed the the journey and I would typically find somebody and make friends with somebody. You know, but there were a few times that I I do have some finishing awards where I was first female in a race. A couple of times I placed first female, and um, not often because that wasn't always my goal. But that feels really good when you show up, you work hard, and you end up walking away with the with the oh, with the victor's award. So what Paul is saying is he's using this very earthly analogy to help us understand a very big spiritual principle. And I really wanted to focus on that today because, you know, I talk about this a lot on on this podcast. I don't shy away from current events and I don't think we should. I think that one of the most dangerous mindsets that has happened in the Christian American church, especially, is this concept of separation between church and state, which is not a constitutional concept at all. It was actually just something that Thomas Jefferson wrote in a letter. And he was primarily saying, keep the state out of my church, not the other way around. I've had people criticize me because why are you talking so much about politics? I get on here to do spiritual things because let me tell you what, being a Christian becomes about politics when politics start to infringe upon godly values in this country. So let me give you some examples. Abortion, the mass brutal torture of children. This is a reason why every Christian should have a voice in politics. We are, we are in a republic that was established by Christians. So we could go and we could be the ones to dictate how this country is run. When we are brutally murdering children in mass in this country, all of a sudden now Christians have a reason to be involved in politics. I love how Charlie Kirk says it. He says the number one most important thing we as Christians do is, you know, obviously follow Jesus Christ and then be obedient to him to go make disciples of all nations. The second thing we got to do is protect our ability to to do the first. (laughs) When we have the radical normalization of the sexualization of children in this country, we have to step up. We cannot go hide in our churches and, and put earmuffs on our kids and hope and pray that the boogeyman doesn't get to them. Guys, I realize that right now, the instances of these drag shows showing up in schools or teacher taking teachers taking kids to drag shows or parents taking kids to drag shows are the minority. But trust me, they're on a mission to make sure it's the majority. This is not going to be an isolated thing. Here's the thing about how this works. It doesn't affect you until it does. And it's going to because they have no plan. They have no agenda to, to do anything but move this forward. And how do I know that? Because, because we know from what the Bible teaches that this world is run by the prince of darkness. This is Satan's kingdom. There's going to come a time when Jesus shows up and he takes Satan and he throws him where he belongs and Jesus comes back and he takes control of things. But until that time, right now, this world belongs to Satan. The, the vast majority of the people follow him. Again, there's no gray. There's no Switzerland. You can't say in, you can't sit in the middle. You're either under the influence of Jesus or you're under the influence of, of the enemy. And what does Ephesians 6 tell us? It tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities. Okay. So these dark demonic principalities, we have seen what they've been doing since the beginning of time through Genesis, all the way through the book of Revelation. And what are they going to do? They're going to continue to steal, 
kill, and destroy. That's all they know how to do. And so that's why I can predict these things because the Bible says that it's going to happen. Jesus told us that as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the last days. Paul tells Timothy, be on guard because these are the things that are going to happen. It's going to become a rotten world and we are watching it happen at a rapidly evolving pace. Now you look back at the at the hippie movement back in the 60s and 70s, right? You had these kids going to Woodstock. I mean, you had all kinds of uh, drug use going on. You had all kinds of fornication. It was a pretty vile world but they weren't taking this and doing this in the schools with the children. (laughs) I've said this before, and I'll continue to say it. There's a war on young people in this country. There's a war on children and the enemy and, and, and the demons in the darkness are working overtime to, to the children. So it can be so overwhelming in today's society and it can be so easy to lose to, to lose focus. And, and it's going to be so easy to compromise as things continue to get closer and closer and closer to the return of Christ and things continue to devolve in the manner in which the Bible tells us that they're going to devolve. Now, I'm not a doom and gloom person because guess what? Guess what the end of the book says? He comes back riding on a white horse with all of us who were faithful to him and followed him behind him. And he, with the sword of his mouth, takes care of this and he sets up a thousand year millennial reign. And then at the end of all that, everything's separated and we go spend eternity in heaven and, and, and those that chose to not be with the Lord get to, get to spend eternity apart from him. At the end of the book, it all works out. But in the meantime, while we're in the middle of the fire, we have to learn how to stay strong and keep going even when it doesn't make sense. So I love, we're going to read a couple quick scriptures from the book of Matthew. I've read these before and I'm just going to continue to read them. I, I laugh because sometimes when I'm preparing this, I'm like, but Lord, I've said those things before. And he said, Tiana, how many times have I had you read the same passage over and over again? I put it in my word for eternity. So that way you would read it over and over again. I was like, okay, touche. Fair enough. <laughs> so you can say, you can say the same thing many times because it takes, it, you know, when somebody once told me the longest journey it, on the planet is the journey from the head to the heart, the human heart, right? <laughs> so in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, this is just, this scripture is something that you will hear me quote over and over again, because we just need to remember this at all times. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid again. And from, and from joy over it, he goes and sells everything that he has and buys that field. Let me say this again. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells everything that he has and buys that field. Because he was so joyful, because he was so delighted in what he found, he sold everything he had to buy that field. That is what it means to follow Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that you once upon a time said a sinner's prayer and you go to church on Sundays. It means that you sell everything you have to obtain what is in that field because you recognize that that treasure is greater than anything you can possibly imagine. This is why I talk so much about God's goodness, because I want to remind you that as we're trudging through this life and as it feels so hopeless and so aimless sometimes, it is far from that because what the the treasure that we get in Jesus Christ, the treasure that we get to become the bride of Christ is far greater than anything that it will cost us in this life. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 27, Jesus reminds the disciples that this is not an easy road he's calling you to. As I said, we've been so busy filling the pews in American Christianity. And I realize there are a lot of you who listen to this from other countries, and maybe you see this in your country as well. Well, let's let's talk about how many people are in our church. How many people go to your church? Well, how many people got saved this week? <sighs> 
you know, I can never escape the story where David caused a massive plague to break out because he chose to do a census. And God said, why are you doing that? I told you not to do that. Don't worry about it. I know how many people there are in the kingdom. And David said, yeah, well, I'm going to do it. And even Joab was like, hey, you know, I don't think that's a good idea, David. And David's like, yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. And God said, okay, now you have to choose one of three punishments because you chose to disobey me. And God wiped out, you know, several thousand people, thousands of people, I should say, from David's kingdom. So census didn't count anymore. We don't get to count victory in God's kingdom by the number of heads in our church and by the number of people that get saved. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road that leads to life. And because of that, we've cheapened the gospel down to just say the sinner's prayer and be a good person. And that, it, that's, the, that's the first step is acknowledging that we need Jesus as our Lord and Savior and then surrendering our lives to him. That's, that is like dipping your toe in the water. The baptism, the full baptism is the decision to say, I'm going to die to myself. And when I come up out of this water, and I'm not saying you have to be baptized to be saved, but I'm using the symbolism that the Bible teaches. When you go down into that water, and then when you come back up, you've decided that the dead person, the one, the one that used to live before Jesus Christ is dead in that water. And who comes out is the new creation in Christ that we are promised that we become when we just choose to follow him. We are saying, I'm going to abandon everything that I used to be and once lived for to follow Jesus. It is a radical conversion. It is not something that you can just kind of dip your toe in and be a little good person behind the scenes. You're now deciding to move in opposition of the way of this world. And it's going to be difficult. And we're going to talk about some of that stuff as we go through today's passage. But, but in the end, we're going to see the glory of God. <laughs> we're going to see him reigning because this is why we follow him, because we follow the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who spoke the heavens into existence, the one who holds you in his right hand, the one who has the number of, of your hairs on your head counted, the one who loves you more than you can possibly imagine. I want you to just listen to these words that I'm about to say before I read this passage. You cannot fathom how much God loves you. I want you to hear what I just said again. You cannot fathom how much God loves you. I want you to know that no matter what you're going through in this life and no matter what you go through and no matter what, what may come, you cannot imagine how much God loves you. And when you finally begin to get a taste of what that looks like, either because you begin to put your faith in him and his grace just begins to pour over you in the peace that surpasses all understanding, guard your minds and hearts. And then when you walk into eternity and you finally get to see, it will blow you away how much God loves you. If you could have been sitting at the foot of the cross like John and Mary and Mary were, and you would have realized that Jesus was volunteering, willfully hanging there because of his love for you, it would overwhelm you to a point where you would be just like the man who with joy sold everything to buy that field. So as I read this next passage, I want you to understand that, that this is coming from a place of love. This is coming from a place of the one who created this planet, who sent everything into motion, who understands the principles by which this planet is run. And he says to you, listen, if you follow my pattern, I'm the one who created this planet. It will bring you life. And so Jesus telling his disciples to count the cost in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what good will it do a person if he gains the whole world, but forfeits his soul? Or what will a person give in exchange for his soul? For the son of man is going to come in the glory of his father with his angels and will then repay every person according to their 
deeds. Boom, mic drop. And you know what's amazing is he said that prior to the crucifixion. <laughs> Can you imagine what the disciples were like? You come here, cross and die. What are you talking about, Jesus? <laughs> He's losing it again, guys. <laughs> One of the things that I love about the Chosen series is the way that the disciples are all trying to figure Jesus out because I'm sure we know that happened. You know, why is he talking about dying on a cross? Like, that's gross. Because you have to remember, prior to the crucifixion, that was Rome's form of capital punishment. And it was like the worst possible punishment. And so like, this would be like in today's world, a firing range. Like you have to go and stand in front of the firing range before you can follow me. And it's like, why would you use such a morbid description, Jesus? <laughs> I mean, I can imagine they're just at a complete and total loss. Like, you know, we know that they didn't understand that Jesus had to be crucified and died and raised. Like he told them, guys, I'm, I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised again. And still Mary Magdalene comes in and she's like, hey, by the way, Jesus rose from the dead. And they're like, yeah, whatever, Mary. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> Peter and John run to the tomb and they're like, he's really not here. We don't know what's going on. And then when Jesus finally shows up, he's like, you you numbskulls, I've been telling you for months <laughs> that this was going to happen. <laughs> and we're slow to understand these things. So when Jesus is saying this, he's saying this pre-cross. And so, you know, what he's explaining to the disciples is, is understand that it's going to cost you everything to follow me. But, but, but when I come back in glory, you will be so glad you did. <laughs> you will be so glad that you delayed your gratification. You did not, you did not live for instant gratification, but rather delayed gratification. Following Jesus will cost you everything. And we're going to follow this up in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him and working together with him. We're now in chapter six, by the way, verse one, and working together with him. We also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Do not take the names. Do not use the name of the Lord in vain. Do not take the name of the Lord in vain. This is what that commandment is talking about. Not taking in vain what God has given you. Verse two, for he says at a favor favorable time, I, I listened to you and on a day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is a favorable time and behold, today is a day of salvation. Verse three, giving no reason for taking offense in anything so that the ministry will not be discredited, but in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in difficulties, in beatings, in imprisonments, in mob attacks, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in the word of truth, and in the power of God by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, by the glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers and yet true, as unknown yet well-known, as dying and yet behold, we are alive, as punished yet not put to death, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things." I encourage you to write this down, 2 Corinthians 
5, verse 20 through 6, verse 10. Read through that. And, and what Paul is listing out for you is like, hey, guys, this is what's meant for me to follow Christ. He is endured. He, he, it cost him everything. But, but why? He starts off saying, like, we beg you to be reconciled because we become the righteousness of God through Jesus. Do you understand what a gift that is? I think you know this is hard for us in our, in our modern day society, especially in 21st century Gentiles to appreciate this. I've been reading through Exodus about the tabernacle and and um second chronicles or excuse me first chronicles about the building of the temple and then Hebrews about now that we have a high priest who can enter in when you see this whole picture together and you study these books and you understand how sacred and holy and phenomenal in 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 special the tabernacle and the temple were remember the tabernacle is what God gave Moses in the desert and then David had it on his heart to build God a temple, a instead of a tent, an actual building, which God said, you can't build, but Solomon will build. Solomon built his temple. Then the Babylonians destroyed it. And then Zerubbabel came back and rebuilt it. And that became known as Herod's temple. And that was destroyed in 70 AD. So it's the, the tabernacle was the tent. And then the temple was the actual physical built building, which was laid out almost exactly like the tabernacle. When you understand just the sacredness and the purification process and what it meant to minister before God and how only men and only priests were allowed in certain parts, and then only the high priest could go into the most holy place. When you understand what it means that now any of us through Jesus can enter into the most holy place. The temple curtain was torn from top to bottom. We now become the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. We read these stories in the Old Testament where the presence of God came down so heavily that nobody could go into the tabernacle. And when the presence of God, when Solomon finished building, finished building, finished building the temple, the presence of God came in, the priests couldn't even move. When you understand what an incredible gift it is that now that presence gets to dwell within us, it should transform the way you think about everything. And so what Paul is saying is that we get to become the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And here's what it's going to cost you. And here's what it has cost us. And in he had been, he had been mistreated. He had been lied about. He had been taught as, you know, he'd been criticized of being uh, ridiculed of being a false teacher, which by the way, spend one day on my comments and TikTok and you'll understand. I, I, I can understand what that's like. I get called names all day long on TikTok. Not that I really care, but um, if I cared what man thought, then I would be living for the wrong reason. But anyway, it's real. <laughs> uh, labor, sleeplessness, hardness, st- hunger. Guys, it's going to cost us everything. But, but what is, what did we just read? I'm going to come and I'm going to reward those who stayed faithful. So first thing is it's going to cost us everything. I know I've said this over and over again, and I'm going to keep saying it because I think it's important for us to remember that. The second thing is it's not going to make sense to the world. (laughs) This is where I'm going to start offending some people. (laughs) I, as I mentioned, I watched the documentary by Matt Walsh called what is a woman and first of all, I want to say I'm grateful for people like Matt Walsh who are out there hitting, you know, dealing with this stuff head on and not stepping to the side or not backing down from dealing with the real issues that are in our culture. When it comes to this whole issue of there are uh, hundreds of different genders and um, having 
you know, teaching children these radical gender ideologies and, you know, the transgender movement and all of that, it's easy, especially for me, because first of all, I don't have children. So I'm kind of isolated from it. Um, but it's also easy in the Christian community to not realize how bad it's gotten out there. And I, and I praise God for that, by the way, there's something about being, um, as, as cunning as serpents, but as innocent as there's, I forget what exactly what Jesus said, but he said something about, I want you to be as, as cunning as serpents, but as innocent as, as lamb or dove or something of that nature. But there's something about being in the world, but not of the world. Right. And watching this, I, I just kind of sat for almost a solid 30 minutes after watching it and just awe. I just kind of sat there in just disbelief at how bad it has really gotten. Now, obviously, it's going to vary where you are and how bad it has. But but let me let me explain this to you. They're not going to slow down until they're either stopped or they've gotten it in every everywhere. Because this is not this isn't just an organized group of people. These are people who are pawns of the enemy. Who are, as as Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. This is from the book of Ecclesiastes. These demons have been doing this thing since they were came down to this planet, and they're going to keep doing this thing until Jesus locks them up. So this isn't going anywhere. But it's really disgusting, and and it was not surprising in the documentary when it was pointed out that the the, the radical and and the promulgation of this transgender mutilation and ideology, and I say mutilation to talk about the fact that they are mutilating children now. Uh, that this was started primarily by two doctors who were shocking pedophiles. Yeah, not shocking at all. And you know, Matt Walsh kind of covers the history of that a little bit in this documentary, but. It's easy when when I sit and I watch these things to to be like, "Hey God, <laughs> you're seeing this, right? Like, like you understand what's happening in the world, right? Like you're you're doing something about this. You're doing right. <laughs> like, yoohoo! <laughs> Is anybody home? <laughs> uh, and and I don't mean that in a mocking way. I mean it in just like a. God, surely this is breaking your heart, right? Like, what are you doing about this? And and I'm always reminded that He says, "Well, what am what am I doing about this?" A city on a you know city or a, um you don't take a light and and cover it you put it up high and and you let your light shine what i'm doing about this is i've got you guys my people out there and i've got you guys living and following me so they can see what light looks like so they can so they can so the world can understand what they're choosing because here's the thing ultimately every decision that a human being makes is leading them to how they're going to stand before God. They're either going to stand before God clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, or they're going to stand before God guilty and have to give an account for what they did. But here's the thing. It's a choice. It's a human being. It's a human choice. They're going to get to decide. And, And the reason that the contrast between dark and light is becoming so great and so distinguishable is that nobody will be able to stand before God and say, well, you know, I wasn't really, nobody really, I wasn't really sure God. What we're going to see is God is going to continue to allow this to play out so that everybody has a a true decision to make in their hearts. This is what Romans chapter one teaches us. But what the Lord just reminds me is, yeah, I'm seeing this and there's a reason why I've still got my church in the world. I'm not done yet. And this is what Peter tells us when he says that God is patient, not wanting anybody to perish. And so while we're seeing all this, we cannot lose heart. And we need to remember that the Bible always told us that there was going to be this stark contrast when we decided, and I love that image of the chosen 
you know, where they have the fish, all the fish are going in one direction, except for a few fish that are going in a different direction. When we choose to follow Jesus, we are literally now working in an opposite direction. We are taking a completely different path in the world. And that's going to rub people the wrong way. And we're not going to fit in. And the longer that we live on this planet and the closer we draw to Jesus, the more uncomfortable we're going to be on this earth. And when I watched that, it was like, (laughs) and then I read some articles of people criticizing it. And ironically enough, they didn't dispute any of this science or any of the facts. They literally just like, well, he's just kind of a bigot and he's, you know, I mean, they can't because they don't really have any facts on their side. The reality is, is that this ideology is mutilating towards children. It's demonic in nature. It's killing people and it's, it's causing countless and needless suffering. And it is, it is evil in every single form. Now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't as a church have a place for people who are dealing with gender dysphoria and that we shouldn't as a church learn how to deal with the powers of darkness and that we shouldn't have a place to welcome people who have been sucked into this and love them and love them into the kingdom of God. This is not, I'm going to turn my back on these people. This is, I'm going to let my light shine so they can see what you're looking for. What is really What is really wrong is not that you're in the wrong body or not that you're the wrong gender is that you don't know Jesus Christ. That's really what's wrong. At the end of the day, every single person is dying of the same disease. It just manifests in different forms. For some people, it manifests as transgenderism. For other people, it manifests as drug addiction. For other people, it manifests as pornography addiction. For other people, it manifests as an anger addiction. It doesn't matter what it is. Everybody is dying of the same disease. It just has a different way that it shows up. And so we as Christians have to be aware of what the schemes of the devil are and then what put on the full armor of God. But it's not going to make sense to the world. We're not going to fit in anymore. We're, we're going to rub the wrong way. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 18, says this, for the, for the word of the cross or the, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So those, the, the, the people, the, the professors and the doctors and, and the, the unfortunate young people who have been brainwashed by these colleges and universities who says this, who, who believe these things are going to look at us Christians and be like, you guys are dumb idiots. You believing in your fake sky daddy with your 2000 year old book. And to, to them, we're just going to be morons. But here's the thing. <laughs> they may not understand it at first, but when they see love demonstrated over and over and over again, there's something that eventually breaks because at the, at, at the end of the day, all of us were designed to be in relationship with God. And so this is why we cannot lose heart. This is why we have to stay faithful and continue to run the race. Even when the rest of the world is looking at us like y'all are crazy for the word, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And I'm, I'm running out of time. So when you get a chance, read all of first Corinthians chapter one, verses 18 through 31, because Paul goes on to say things like, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong and the insignificant things of the world and the despised that God has chosen to the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. So in other words, God's way is not the world's way and it's not going to work the world's way. You know, Jesus came at a time when being the toughest man wins and he willfully let himself be hung on a cross. God does, the world goes right and God goes left. The world says, show power and dominate. Jesus says, I'm going to lay down my life on the cross. This is what it means to be a Christian. It means that we're going to stand in complete and total opposition, but we cannot lose heart in this process. So I want to read for for you guys one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And it's a long story. And I apologize, but I don't apologize because this is just, I love the story. This is an example 
And I, I just want to point out, by the way, that in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 2, this was prophesied about this event. This, and, it, and it's one of the ways you can read Isaiah 43, 2. And um, spoiler, I'm going to write this down, Isaiah 43, 2. And don't worry, I do put all the scriptures now in the show notes so you can look at those later. But the story of Nebuchadnezzar in the golden image is, this is from Daniel chapter 3, is a foreshadow of the Antichrist and the worship of the beast that's going to come. And so this is a real story that really happened, but God is so great in his word that it has so many layers and and there's literal aspects to it. And then there's symbolic foreshadowings and prophetic events. So this is a prophetic understanding of who the Antichrist is going to be and what's eventually going to happen with the worship of the beast and the mark of the beast. And and, and it's also talking about, you know, the the Jews that get saved during the time of the tribulation, you know, they they're going to lose their lives, many of them will. Um, the Bible talks about the tribulation saints because you you lose your life for not taking the mark of the beast. So we see this concept in this story. But more than this, I want to talk about what it's like when three Jewish boys choose not to do what everybody else is doing and how crazy it looks, but what God comes through and does. And this is why we have to get through our heads that we're going to have to be the Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael's, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are their Hebrew names. I prefer to use their Hebrew names than their Babylonian names. Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael had to be the only three standing. And that's who we are called to be. But let's, so let's dig into this story. We're going to read all of Daniel 3. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made a statue of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits and width was six cubits. Six, six, six. <laughs> and he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, also sent word to assemble satraps and prefects and the governors and counselors and the chief treasuries and the judges and the magistrates and all the administrators of the provinces to come to the dedication of the statue that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. Then the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the counselors and the chief treasurers and the judges and the magistrates and all the administrators of the provinces were assembled for the dedication of the statue that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed loudly, to you, the command is given, you, peoples, nations, and populations of all languages, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of musical instruments, that you are to fall down and worship the golden statue that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship this, the worship shall immediately be thrown in the middle of a furnace of a blazing fire. So by the way, Satan loves to be worshiped. And um, it's not voluntary usually. So he loves force worship because again, he, he wants nothing more than to take God's place in heaven. Verse seven, therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of musical instruments, all the peoples, nations, and populations of all language, languages fell down and worshiped the golden statue Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought forth charges against the Jews. And they began to speak and said to Nebuchadnezzar, the king, O king, live forever. You, king, have made a decree that every person who hears the sound of the horn, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of musical instruments is to fall down and worship the golden statue. But whoever does not fall down and worship the statue shall be thrown into the middle of a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, these men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods, nor do they worship the golden statue which you have set up. By the way, this is going to be the exact rhetoric that happens during the tribulation. Um, uh, listen, these Jews haven't taken the mark of the beast. Time to cut their heads off, which is going to happen, by the way. Verse 13, the Nebuchadnezzar in a rage and anger gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and 
Then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar began speaking to them to say, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods nor worship the golden statue that I've set up? Now, if you are ready at the moment, you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, the bagpipe, and all kinds of musical instruments to fall down and worship the statue I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be thrown into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can rescue you from my hand? So I just want to pause right there. Let's just set the stage. There's people everywhere. Everybody's doing it. Okay. And now you got three, three guys who the King's like, (laughs) come on guys. Like, listen, you just got to bow down when the music starts. If not, you're going to go in the furnace. But I mean, surely that's not the case. It's just bowing down. It's just watching a little movie. It's just looking at a little bit of pornography. It's just one more vaccine. (laughs) Be careful for those justs because there's going to come a day on this planet. Now, if we understand scripture correctly and the church is truly raptured, which I do believe that is what the scripture teaches. And I've talked about that before from Amir. He teaches, he does a great job explaining the rapture of the church. And one of the best ways to learn about that is through his book, Revealing Revelation. He does a great job explaining why we often misunderstand the book of Revelation because we read it through the lens of it's about us when it's mostly really about Israel. <laughs> there are parts about us, but uh, but we need to understand that the vast majority of it is about Israel. But the point is here that there are going to be things that we're asked to do that everybody else is doing, and it's perfectly normal. And why won't you crazy Christians just do it? These are the times that we've got to be that Caleb and, and Daniel or Joshua's, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's, the Ruth's the Esther's. We've got to be the ones who are willing to be the only ones standing up because we recognize from the previous point we made, it's going to cost us, or we're still on that point. It is going to cost us everything and it won't make sense to the world. So here Nebuchadnezzar is like, guys, right? You're just going to do this. And then in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not in need of an answer to give you concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to rescue us. Remember, he said, who can rescue you from our hands? So they're like, listen, we serve the true God. He can rescue us if he wants to. It says, if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to rescue us from the blazing fire, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods nor worship the golden statue that you have set up. May this be the resolve of all of our hearts. When the whole world is jumping on a bandwagon, what is a woman? It's it's just it's just just take one more one more dose of the vaccine, or how about this new vaccine? We got a we got a vaccine for monkeypox now. I'm I'm just being sarcastic, but my point being that um, if you want to, I'm not trying to vaccine shame here. I know a lot of people that listen to this got vaccinated, and I don't want you guys to feel bad about that decision. But I'm saying I, I strongly encourage you to use discernment about this going forward. And if you want to understand where we are in the consequences of, of, of massive vaccinating our population, Jeff Childers in his blog, Coffee and COVID, which I posted links to, and I'll post a link to again on, on this note, does a great job covering it. I, I cannot strongly, I cannot encourage you enough. If you feel the need or you, or you feeling pressure to get a, a booster or to get vaccinated, if you've not been vaccinated, to pray about it and do some research because the because what we are now seeing is the fallout of this. And again, because I don't want to spend too much time on this, I, I want you to understand that that um, it's not pretty. <laughs> it's not pretty. And 
I just have an automatic filter that when everybody starts doing it, my red flag goes up because I go, wait a minute, because everybody is usually led by Satan. Remember that this is his kingdom. Now, I'm not saying that everything that the world does is wrong, but what I'm saying is that when something becomes popular in the world, my red flag goes up because the, this world belongs to the enemy. God's wisdom is not the wisdom of this world. And we're going to be the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's. We're going to be the morons standing when everybody else is bowing and get used to it because that's the journey we're on. But I'm here to tell you that we're going to run this race with endurance, even when we want to quit. So what do they say? They say, you know what? It doesn't, God can save us from the fire. We're not worried about your fire. If God doesn't, it doesn't matter because we still, we are still going to be obedient. That has to be the heart that we have. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to obey God no matter what. In verse 19, the Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath and his facial expression was changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he was like, come on, guys, you're not really going to do this, right? And they're like, yeah, actually, we're really not going to bow down. So he got pretty, he got ticked. <laughs> and he ordered a certain valiant, uh, sorry, he answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to throw them in the furnace of the blazing fire. Then these men were tied up in their trousers and their coats and their caps and their other clothes, and they were thrown into the middle of the fire. For this reason, because the king's command was harsh, the furnace had been made extremely hot. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So this is what I love about how when God decides to step in, he makes their, He makes it so clear that he is 100% intervening in the situation because the men who throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire die. <laughs> okay. God just says, I just want you to understand something right now. There's a clear distinction between mine and yours. But the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell into the middle of the, the furnace of blazing fire, still tied up. The Nebuchadnezzar, the king was astounded and stood up quickly and said to his counselors, was it not three men that we bound and threw into the fire? And they replied to the king. Absolutely. He responded, look, I see four men untied and walking about in the middle of the fire unharmed. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. And Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of blazing fire. And he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, you servants of the most high God and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the, the middle of the fire and the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had no effect on the body of these men, nor was the hair of their heads singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor, nor had even the smell of fire touched them. The Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels and rescued his servant, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command and surrendering their bodies rather than serve or worship any God other than their own. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or population of any language that speaks anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and in their houses made rubbish heap because there is no other God who is able to save in this way. Then the king made Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prosperous in the province of Babylon. What I love about this story is that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego decided to say, you know what? It doesn't matter how what the outcome is. We're still not going to disobey God. God showed up in a powerful way and delivered them. This is the story of the Bible. Those of us who say, you know what? I am not going to deny my God. I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to run the race with endurance. And even if that means being tied hand and foot and thrown into a fiery furnace, it doesn't matter because I refuse to turn my back on God. There is a reward that will come with it. It may not show up in delivery exactly like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It may mean that it, you wait until you get to the outside of eternity, but 
this is the God that we serve. And this is the promise that we're holding on to. And, and it's not going to make sense. Nebuchadnezzar was so mad at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that he said, light up the furnace seven times hotter. The world is going to hate us and push back on us when we say, no, I'm not playing the game the way your way. I'm not following your rules. I follow the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and I do it one way and one way alone in his way. And I don't care what you have to say about it. And I don't care if you like it or not. And I don't care what it costs me because I don't follow this world. I follow Jesus. There will be a cost with that. And people are not going to understand this. And we're going to run into our Nebuchadnezzars and we're going to run into our Hamans and we're going to run into our enemies, but it doesn't matter because God is always going to be the one to fight our battle. And wait until, wait until we close today's session with the Psalm that I have for you. It is a Psalm that I have read over and over and over again, because God just, he just keeps pouring it into my heart. And it's the message he wants us to know in our soul, in our being. He wants Psalm 121, which is the Psalm we're going to read. He wants it to be knit deeply into who we are. And so we're going to finish with just a couple of scriptures. We're going to finish in, in Philippians chapter three. <laughs> I, had I had big ambitions um, when I set this out and I actually intended to read the entire chapter, but because we're running long on time, imagine this, me run long on time, never. <laughs> Well, I will not read all of Philippians chapter three to you guys, but read Philippians chapter three. You guys have a lot of a post post podcast studies, and I will put all this in the notes, by the way, for you. But here's what First Corinthians, or excuse me, Philippians chapter three. But whatever these things were gained to me, these things I have counted as a loss because of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I count them mere rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that righteousness through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if somehow I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already grasped it all or that I have become perfect, but I press on if I may take a hold of that for which I was given, or excuse me, for that which I was even taken a hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not regard myself as having taken a hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching towards what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all of us who are mature, let us have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that to you as well. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. The last point I wanted to make is that Jesus is going to get us across the finish line. And I love this mindset that Paul says, I haven't already attained it, but I'm going to keep going and I'm going to forget what's behind and I'm going to keep pressing on towards what is ahead. And he wraps up this letter to the Philippians in chapter 4, 11 through 13. And he says this, not that I speak from need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in, for I know how to get along with little, and I also know how to live in prosperity. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It is ultimately going to be Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to run the race with endurance. In Isaiah chapter 42, verse 3, prophesying about Messiah, it says, A bent reed he will not break off, and a dimly burning wick 
he will not extinguish, but he will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice on earth. In other words, Jesus is going to take those of us that feel so weak and so incapable, and he is going to make sure that by his spirit, we get to the finish line. We just have to show up and decide today in this moment, I'm going to follow Jesus and in the next moment and in the next moment, and we're going to run that race with endurance. We're all going to get to a point where we're going to get tired. (laughs) We're going to say, Lord, I, I I don't understand where you are right now, and I don't understand what you're doing. And, and then we're going to get overwhelmed and we're going to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we're going to be standing there feeling like our backs are against the wall and, and we have no hope. We're going to be up against the Red Sea. We're going to be in the middle of a storm. And every single time Jesus is going to show up. And if that means he ushers us into the next life, if that means he delivers us in his own miraculous way, he will do it. I had one of those delivery stories where I had a situation where everybody was saying, you've got to do this thing. And if you don't do this thing, it's going to cost you everything. And God said, you will not do that thing. And and you will continue not to bow down to the ways of this world. And I will deliver you. And he did exactly what he told me he was going to do. And and it was amazing how God set that up. I'm going to tell you right now that in the midst of the chaos and in the midst of the this the the fact that the world is just losing its mind on on an increasing level we've got to keep our eyes on jesus and remember that just like shadrach meshach and and abednego hananiah azariah and mishael mishael he's going to deliver us he's going to come we are not going to be left alone a bent reed he will not break off and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish extinguish I can't tell you how many times in the middle of one of my ultra running events or cycling events, I've been done long before the finish line. I'm like, I'm so done. And then something says to me, Tiana, you're at mile 88 of a hundred. If you can put your head down, you've just got 12 miles left to go and you're going to be done. Well, we don't always know when that finish line is going to come for us on the side of eternity. I can tell you that it's there. And God has not brought you this far to only bring you this far. It's going to hurt. It's going to cost you everything. There are going to be times you want to quit. You're going to be exhausted. And it's okay to say to the Lord in those times, I'm tired. (laughs) I don't have any more to give. And you know what? He says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. It is going to be by his grace and by pressing into him and by leaning into him and by continuing to trust him and by being transformed by the renewing of our minds and by offering our bodies as living sacrifices, Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, that we are going to continue to make it one step at a time. It was by the grace of God that Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael decided, I will not break the first commandment. May we have that same resolve. Now post-cross, now with the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, may we never falter and fail in this. That's okay if we have our moments where we get frustrated and overwhelmed, but may we never falter and fail. And then in closing, I want to read to you Psalm 121, which is one of, this has become one of my favorite Psalms. And I just want you to meditate on this Psalm and memorize it if you can, because this will change your life. If you believe this, if you truly believe this and then live like you believe it, it will change your life. Psalm 121, I will raise my eyes to the mountains. I love how it starts because the first thing that that David does is he says, look, get your eyes off your circumstances, get your eyes off the mess and look up at the majesty and the splendor of God's creation. Raise your eyes to the mountains. Actually, I don't know that David wrote it. I said, David, and we don't know it's a David Psalm. 
It's probably a David Psalm. From So I will raise my eyes to the mountains. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Behold, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your protector. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not beat down on you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time and forever. Amen. Yeah, the world's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's losing its mind. Yeah, we don't fit in. Yeah, it's becoming harder and harder to be a part of this world, but not be in this world. Yeah, our circumstances are getting tougher. Yeah, inflation's rocketing out of control. Yes, we've got the newest pandemic they're trying to shove down our throats. If we choose to follow the propaganda on this one coming. So what? <laughs> as, as Nebuchadnezzar said, what God can rescue you from my hand? Well, let me tell you what God can rescue you. God of the universe, El Shaddai, God Almighty, Elohim, the Lord our God is one, Adonai, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that's who, the one whom we put our faith in, one whom came on this earth, lived a perfect and sinless life, and then laid down his life because of his great love for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And so who's going to deliver us and rescue us? Well, his name's Jesus, and he already did. He says, I have over." come the world. Our job is just to keep going. I know what it's like to want to quit, guys. I do. <laughs> but I also know what it's like when you just keep your head down and you keep going. The regret lasts forever. The pain of continuing to stick through is temporary. But most importantly, his grace is sufficient. He will be the one to carry us through. He's not going to leave us and abandon us. It might feel like it, but our feelings lie. <laughs> If I listened to my feelings all the time, I'd be a hot mess. <laughs> I just wanted to encourage you guys today to run the race with endurance. This is why I love this, the proverb, Proverbs 4, 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is a wellspring of life. And, and you know, the four steps that follow that. Make level paths. Do not look to the right or to the left. So look up to the mountains and see where your help will come from. I'm not going to sell you a cheap gospel on this. On this TikTok, on this TikTok, <laughs> wow, my brain fried. On this podcast, the true gospel is that God loves you more than you can imagine, and He went to He went to the extreme to rescue you. He bore upon His body your sin, so He could meet with you face to face, so He could dwell within you. And so for eternity, we get to celebrate being in the presence of the most incredible and loving and kind and magnificent God who created this planet. And in order to follow him and in order to accept his free gift of salvation, we have to abandon this world. We have to abandon the flesh. We have to die. But we get life, true life. And it means that we're going to live an uncomfortable life. Because we're going to be in direct opposition to this world. We're going to be fighting against our flesh that still wants the dead man to come back to life. We're going to be living for the spirit, but what we will receive, the inheritance that awaits for us. 
is to finally understand what it means to truly be loved by God. We will have his love lavished upon us and we will be able to comprehend it. Right now, we only see in part, we only know in part, and we only understand in part, but we will be fully known and known fully then. First Corinthians chapter 13. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that it is by your grace we're going to make it to the finish line. Lord, we thank you that you give us the opportunity to come before you and say, I'm tired. I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense. And I want to quit. But you say, well, thank you for being honest. But guess what, kid? I got this. I'm God. I'm going to be the one to carry you through. I'm going to be the one to open the sea. I'm going to be the one to jump in the fire and rescue you. I'm going to be the one to calm the storm. I'm going to be a a shelter and a protection around you. Father, this is your promise all throughout the Psalms. Lord, may we learn to understand your promises at a fundamental level. Lord, may they resonate within our soul. When the enemy comes to whisper lies or or the wind starts to blow around us and and the firm foundation begins to seem shaky, Lord, may may we just know and remember what you promise us in your word. Lord, when we feel like quitting, Father, may you just remind us that you're not going to put us on a path that you cannot see us through. And that you, whatever you walk us through as the good shepherd is for our own good. May we run with endurance. May we become finishers of the imperishable. Lord, I pray for everybody who's listening to this right now that that has ever felt, is feeling, or will ever feel the desire to just quit. Lord, I just pray right now that Holy Spirit, you would just encourage them and just remind them, no, (laughs) don't quit. There's too much too much at stake and it's worth it. That Lord, that they would learn to just press into you and to cry out to you and to speak to you and to trust you in all things. And that that your word would be the truth that just marches around their minds and hearts and guards their minds and hearts. Lord, may we be like the psalmist in 119, just treasuring your word because we know from it comes the life that we need to sustain us in this world. Lord, may we be the light in the world. Father, we just pray for the darkness of our land, the evil that is growing at a rapid pace. We pray for protection over the children that the enemy is just desperately working hard to get his hands on. We just pray, I just pray for all the parents right now, Father, that you give them a supernatural wisdom and ability to protect their children from this darkness and just strengthen them, encourage them, Lord, that your will would be done in their lives and that the enemy would just continue to fall into the pits that he makes trying to get his filthy hands on children. Lord, I just pray that you would teach us how to love this world that is so dark. Lord, that we would truly understand what it means to love our enemies. Lord, that we would look at these people and not see them as our enemies, but instead see them as people made in your image, that the enemy is just destroying their ability to see who they are in you. Lord, I pray that you would teach us to love the lost, love them into your kingdom. Lord, that we would have the same attitude as Jesus, the one who got down many times on his knees to serve those that needed his touch so desperately. May we never be above the type of service and love that you had for your lost and dying world. Jesus, may we learn to get down and hold those that are broken and show them that there is what they need, what they're looking for is you. Jesus, we know we're still here because you're not done with us yet. And so, Father, please don't let us waste a moment that you've given us for anything other than the glory of your kingdom. Fill us, lead us, guide us. We love you and we want to be your children. And Jesus, more than anything, we want to take the narrow road and we want to embrace you at the end of it. And we want to hear more than anything, well done, my good and faithful servant, because Lord, we just, we long so desperately to be a bride worthy of you. Teach us to just love you with everything. We love you and we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Now, 
this is an interesting month because there's three Wednesdays in this month. And I do the first and third Wednesday of every month. I have a lot on my plate over the next couple of weeks and I'm going on vacation. So I'm probably not going to get a podcast out on the third Wednesday of this month because I'm probably going to use that time to prepare for July because I'm actually out of town for an extended period in July and won't have the ability to record record a podcast. So uh, you guys are fine without me. You don't need me, (laughs) but I am probably not going to do that just because I've got a ton on my plate over the next two weeks to get done from a work standpoint. And then also just to get some other stuff done, um, some collaborations that I'm working on and then also have to get ready to be out of town. So that way you guys have podcasts in July. So it's going to be a couple of weeks. It's going to be several weeks before I I see you guys again, but uh, continue to press into Jesus. I know you'll be fine without me. I'm going to miss you, <laughs> but I'll just be report, recording podcasts to get them up and loaded uh, for when I'm, when I'm in Montana for uh, about 10 days in July. So thank you guys again for tuning in. Have a wonderful rest of June and I will catch you guys in July. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Made to Conquer. Please be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends and family, anyone else you think would enjoy joining us on this journey of drawing closer to Jesus.